0: Thank you, Father. Well, good morning. Hope that you're doing well. Obviously, uh, wave to each other. We'll say hi. we we'll welcome you to service this morning. For those that are uh, watching online, we want to welcome you as well. Thank you for being with us. Um, <clears throat> hope that, uh, thanks, guys. Great job. Like I said, hope that you're doing well. A um, couple things we want to talk about really quickly um, is our giving situation is, is obviously a little bit different than it's been, or at least we're probably getting closer to it being a little bit more normal um, for us, but uh, there are plates up here at the front. If you have your offering or tithes, uh, you can put those in the, uh, the offering plates um, or uh, before or after service whenever is convenient for you, and then also we can, you can give online as well. Um, also, if you would rather send in check in the mail, you can do that. Uh, and again, we just want to thank you for your faithfulness during this time. Um, we're going to go ahead and jump right into the message this morning. We're in the middle of, a, of our series on the book of Revelation. Uh, it's entitled, What Must Soon Take Place? Um, Last week we kind of gave a a little bit of an introduction kind of to the book. We kind of talked a little bit about uh, the author. We talked about kind of some of the themes that are involved and kind of what we've been doing or kind of what we're doing a little bit is is we're trying to kind of cover a book that quite honestly we could be in for the next three or four months and try to condense it down to just a couple of weeks. And and that's not necessarily easy, Um, but we're trying to do that so that we can kind of hit some of the major things um, and and go from there. If if you're interested in more information or you're interested in a little bit more in depth, please let me know. We can definitely talk about that. Um, But uh, like I said, we're trying to kind of hit some of the major things, some of the major themes of the book of Revelation uh, to give us a little bit of peace and a little bit of understanding. And like we talked about last week, the book of Revelation for the Christian, for the believer, is an exciting book. It's it's a book that that not only tells about what's coming, but it talks about the fact that Uh, We win and that we get to be excited about what God has in store It doesn't need to be scary. It doesn't need to be uh, bring forth a bunch of worry It needs to really be a book that as we learn more and more about it builds our faith and helps us to see A little bit more about what God has in place for us So this week we're going to be looking at the seven churches We're going to be looking at uh, basically the messages that Jesus gives to these seven churches And just so you remember as we kind of talked about really briefly last week the number seven in scripture is kind of the number of completion. It's kind of the number um, of basically saying it's of the whole or it's done, if that makes sense. And so the fact that there are seven churches, and these were seven literal churches that actually existed at the time, it's really not just to them, it's to the complete or the whole church, which we are a part of. Now, we have to remember that, that these are written... Two churches. These are written to Christians. These are written to believers. A lot of times we forget that, and we can miss that. And we need to make sure that we realize that as we look at this this morning, and we'll look at it a little bit deeper. But again, we're going to be looking at the, the the seven churches next week. We're going to go through basically the timeline. Okay, next week is a very important week that you're either here or online or or, or whenever you have a chance to watch because next week a lot of the questions that you have hopefully will be answered. A lot of the the things that you really typically think about when you talk about the book of Revelation, we're going to try to cover and try to look at, again, with a a level of excitement, with a level of, oh my goodness, this is going to be amazing. We win and God wins at the end. And so I really hope that you're able to be with us next week as well. So we're going to go ahead and jump right in, but before we do, let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity to be together and be with you. And Father, as we look at these things, as we look at these these messages that were written a long time ago to these Churches, help us to understand and know that these were not just written to a group of people for a specific time and then it's over. These were things that were written to us today. We need to take these things, use them, apply them, and allow them to be something that really changes us and helps us. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, when you look at the letters or the messages to the seven churches, you need to really understand what is going on here and why they're going on, okay? This is a very important part of the book of Revelation, although sometimes we don't always remember it. Usually when we talk about Revelation, we kind of get into some of the stuff we're going to talk about next week. But this is really how the book begins. Before John is literally taken up into heaven and begins to see some of the things that we're going to talk about in the next coming weeks, he is asked by Jesus to write some letters, write some messages to some churches and, some of the, and to deal with some of the things that they're going through at this time. The text that we're going to really look at this morning, and to help us remember that, is found in Revelation 3.19. It's going to be up on the screen, uh, and this is what it says. It says Jesus is res- re- responding to, to John, and he says this, he says, I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. I discipline those I love. When you really start to think about what these letters, what these messages were to these seven churches, a lot of them, if you look at them and you study them, you see some really cool things you see how god a lot of times will deal with us and deal with churches and deal with 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 people and he, he usually will start and say something hey hey you're doing this well hey this is going well but in all of them he says something basically this is in in uh, what i have against you or or this is what you need to look at these are things you need to deal with and really what these books are is their discipline from jesus to these churches And discipline is kind of a dirty word. We don't like that word. We don't like that concept in our culture today. A lot of times when we look at discipline or somebody doing that, we we have this tendency of judging people and and don't judge me and don't, don't tell me what I can or cannot do. And really the problem with that is when we don't accept discipline, when we don't allow discipline from our Father to come, we can become very stagnant in our faith. A lot of times, the discipline of God is something that he brings to help us grow, to help us to mature, to help us to experience more of him and more of an understanding and more of a depth of him. I remember when I was a kid, and I would do something wrong. I know that's very hard for you to imagine. Thank you for the laugh. Okay, and I would do something wrong, and my, my mother or my father would, would, would take me, and they would, they would discipline me. They would say, you know, go to your room, wait till your father gets home, which was just horrible, you know, and then dad would come home and, and there was usually things involving with, you know, leather things that usually keep your pants up. You know what I'm saying here? You know? And he would discipline me. And I remember as a child, ...as a kid going, this isn't fun, this isn't fair, I don't understand this, this doesn't, this doesn't fix this, this doesn't change things... ...and I remember my dad saying things like, you know, this is, this is what's best for you, I'm doing this because I love you... ...and I remember as a child, as a, you know, seven, eight, whatever it was, I'm going, this is crazy, this isn't for my benefit, this hurts, this isn't fun, this isn't good... ...and what I've learned is the older that I've gotten, hopefully, not just in age, but in maturity... I've learned how valuable those moments were. Sometimes I'll tell you things that I believe are important that in our lives as Christians, we use as kind of mile markers. Things that we can look at, because we, we want to look at and say, am I growing? Am I becoming more like Jesus? Are there things in my life that I'm seeing? One of those things I believe is how you handle discipline from God. If you look at discipline in the right way, in the loving way, in the way that we're going to talk about here briefly... ...before we jump into the churches, that shows to me a level of maturity that is awesome. But if you have a time where God will discipline you and your your attitude is, oh, I don't like... ...that is a level of discipline that you need to look at. Because we have to understand that God disciplines those he loves he loves us so much that he's willing to help us see areas of our life that we need to understand and fix so let's before we jump into these churches because really what these letters were were discipline letters let's look at a deeper look at the father's discipline let's understand what the father's discipline is what it's for why it's there because i think it's important that we understand that let's look first at hebrews 12. In Hebrews 12, we're going to start with 5 and 8, and then we're going to go to verse 10 and 11. It says this, And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one... Uh, And he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Now let's continue on. And as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Listen... It is my job as Easton's father to bring discipline in his life. It is not your job to do that. It is not my job to discipline your children. Why? What's the difference? The difference is he's mine. God God entrusted Emily and I to be his mother and father. It shows that he belongs to us because we discipline him. And God here is saying the same thing. He says, listen, you look at discipline and you go, oh, I don't like it. Oh, it's not fun. It proves that you are his. It shows how much he loves you. He's showing you in a way that's not always pleasant. I'm not going to act like it's always great or fun. But he's proving his love. He's saying, I love you so much. I want to discipline you because I love you. Now let's continue. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years... Doing the best they know how. But God, now this is important. Check this out. But God's discipline is always good for us. Always good for us. Okay? We need to understand that. We forget that a lot of times. Always good for us. So that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful but afterwards there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way i i I love the honesty of scripture and obviously it's it's it is truth but i love that 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 we have a situation here where the writer of hebrews doesn't doesn't kind of placate yet. He doesn't, he, or, or she, whoever it was. They, they don't go, oh, well, you know, this happened, or, or it'll be easier, it'll be fun. No, we hear it. It's got, always going to be fun. It's not always pleasant. But there's something going to come out of it that's amazing. The problem is, is we have a society that doesn't want discipline. And I'm not just talking about the society outside of the four walls of churches. I'm talking about the church itself. We have this mentality in both places, unfortunately, that says you don't have the right. You don't judge me. Don't say this. And you know what I've found a lot of times when people say that? What they're really communicating is don't tell me that I'm doing things I shouldn't be doing. Don't tell me that I need to change. Don't tell me that I can't do the things I really want to do. And so unfortunately, we live in a culture both inside and outside of the church who has begun to scorn discipline has begun to look at it and 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 say I don't want anything to do with it and what's interesting about that is Paul wrote Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 and he's somewhat prophesying about what's coming and you got to remember the context of Timothy Timothy is a young pastor, and Paul, who is getting ready to be killed for his faith, is writing to Timothy and kind of instructing him on a lot of these types of pastoral things and a lot of things about the church, okay? That's the context that we're looking at. But this is what Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 3-4. through And I actually am going to use the amplified version because I, I thought it really showed some interesting things. So for those that are not familiar, what you see here is up here on the screen where you kind of see those... I I don't know, parentheses, not parentheses, whatever those brackets are. Those are things that that were brought in to kind of help amplify what's being said. But this is what it says. This is Paul writing thousands of years ago. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine and accurate instruction. And what does that mean? It means things that challenges them with God's truth things that challenge them with God's truth. But wanting to have their ears tickled with something pleasing, they will accumulate for themselves many teachers. Let's continue on with verse 4. Many teachers, one after another, chosen to satisfy their own desires and to support the errors they hold and will turn their ears away from the truth and wander off into myths, and man-made fictions. And this is important. I thought this was really good. And accept the unacceptable. Doesn't sound like our world today at all, does it? Accept the unacceptable. Now, what's important, and we're going to talk about this in just a minute, is we see this concept in 2 uh, of, of Timothy of ears. They will turn their ears away from the truth. They will turn their ears away from the truth. My job, listen, hear my heart here, okay? I love you. I want, what, I want God's best for you. But my job is not to tickle your ears. My job at times is to share things that are not easy to hear. My job is to share things that are sometimes disciplinary and sometimes hard to understand, or not hard to understand, but hard to hear and hard to to deal with because I love you, because I want you to have an awesome destiny with God. I want you to get everything God has for you. And sometimes that means that there's going to be moments where you're not going to like what I share. But my job is not to tickle your ears. My job is to share the truth of God's word so it changes your heart. So it changes in you into who God wants you to be. This is important. Look at your nose. I want you to understand this because I think if you can grasp this, if we can understand this, it can change so much in our life. Discipline is a priceless gift of love from God to us discipline is a priceless gift of love from god to us if we can understand that if we can know that if we can apply that in our lives it's going to change so much it's going to change a ton so let's jump in here let's look at these seven churches let's look at the messages to these seven churches but before we we and we're going to go through each one we're going to look at some things that that we be, i believe we need to use to discipline ourselves and, and things that we can pull out from these messages but before we do let's jump into revelation three twenty-two. now i could have picked you know revelation two eleven. i could have picked revelation two seventeen mainly because what you see here ...on the screen is what follows every... ...basically, to an extent, ends each message to these churches. It, it kind of closes it out. And I just picked the last one in Revelation 3.22. It says this. Anyone with ears to hear... ...must listen to the Spirit... ...and understand what He is saying to the churches. Okay? We talked about, it back in 2 Timothy, people's ears. Okay? People's ears. Now... My, my belief is, is probably everybody here that I know of has two of these, and they work fairly well. Some of us need to have some, some help in that area. So I, I'm going to be, I probably need some hearing aids myself, but we have ears to hear, okay? What this is talking about, what we need to understand is sometimes it's easy in these moments to start thinking about other people, okay? You have ears, Okay? And God wants you to use them to hear what the Spirit is speaking to you today. Okay? So I'm going to ask you to do your very best to not think about your husband or your wife or your kids or your neighbor or your friends. I want you to use the ears that the Spirit has given you so that you can listen and understand what the Spirit is communicating to you personally. Okay? So that's why I started, and it's interesting that each ending begins with that. So let's, let's start, let's jump in. We're going to go in order here. We're going to start in Revelation 2 and go into 3. But first we're going to look at the church in Ephesus. The church in Ephesus. And really what this is about, what this letter, I'm going to try to bring it all down and kind of concise it all, is this. We need to return to real love by disciplining your heart. We need to return to real love by disciplining your heart. Now, we're going to jump into the scripture here, and we're going to jump around a little bit as far as some of the things that are there. Um, So you just kind of need to follow along with me, and again, they'll be up on the screen. It says this in Revelation 2, 1, and then kind of there, 1 through A, and 2A, 4, or 5A. This is what it says, the angel of the church in Ephesus, to the angel of the church in Ephesus Right now, So we all understand, okay, when when we see the word angel here, this is basically translated as messenger. This is not an angelic being, okay? A lot of uh, actual, a lot of theologians and a lot of people much smarter than me really believe that these were actually written, that angel or that messenger was actually the pastor of that local body, okay? So just so we understand. So to the angel or the messenger of the church in Ephesus write, okay, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Now I want to stop here and let's look at this church let's see what they're doing because again we see some things where we're seeing some right things and then some things where God says listen I I need you to look at these areas in your life it's interesting to me because in this situation we see the people of Ephesus busy we see them about their father's business they're doing things he says I see your deeds your hard work these aren't people that are just sitting there doing nothing They're busy. They're about their father's work. And God says, hey, that's great. But look, he goes, listen, you are missing something very important. You are missing this understanding that you have forsaken the love you had at first. Let me help you understand something. This is important that we get this, okay? God is not impressed with all the things you do if your heart is far away from him. Jesus talked about that. He basically said, hey, listen, there's going to be people that are going to come to me on that last day. And I'm going to say, depart from me. I don't even know who you are. And they're going to say, but God, we did all these things in your name. And Jesus says, I'm sorry. Now, listen, this is not to say that we shouldn't be about our father's work. But it is to say that we cannot forget that first love. That love is what propels us to do the works of God. And that's important that we catch that. You ever, you ever met somebody, and this is an amazing thing. I love these moments when God brings them about. Have you ever been able to uh, lead somebody to the Lord? Or, 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 or you're, you're with somebody who maybe just experienced basically going from death to life? I don't know about you if you've experienced that. I have never once experienced that understanding in people's life where they are not just totally and completely blown away by the love of Jesus. It's like they're just sitting there going, man, my life was a mess. I was headed to hell and now I'm on my way to be with Jesus forever. I'm forgiven. I mean, and they are excited. And there's just love just bubbling, bubbling, bubbling out of them. I love those moments. But you know what is sad at times? Those same individuals that start there don't stay there all the time. And they may be people that get involved. They may be people, and they should be involved. And they begin to do things. And God here is saying, listen, you need to get your heart back into the right place. You need to first and foremost fall back in love with me. And when you do that, then all the other things that you're doing are even more valuable and even more awesome. So in the first one, remember to... Return to real love by disciplining your heart. Number two, the second church. The church in Smyrna. Face your fears by disciplining your feet. Face your fears by disciplining your feet. Let's look at Revelation 2, 9a. And uh, verse 10, it says this. I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. Don't be afraid Of what you are about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for ten days. But if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. In this church, they are getting ready to really go through some hard times. Jesus is telling them about that. He's telling them about what's coming. That these are not going to be easy things. And he tells them, don't be afraid do you know what fear really does fear paralyzes us fear paralyzes our feet and makes it impossible for us to move we must get our over our fear. Our, our fear of we must get over our feet of fear so we can take steps of faith you ever you ever seen somebody that's scared like really scared You know what they typically do because we even say this they they freeze up with fear they can't move fear paralyzes us folks it keeps us from accomplishing what god wants us to accomplish it keeps us from doing the things that god has asked us to do and in this situation basically jesus is communicating listen Don't be afraid. Don't be paralyzed. you got to keep moving. If you'll keep moving, you'll get a crown of life. Don't allow your fear to keep you from moving forward. Remember, God has not given us a spirit of fear. But a lot of times, because of the things we face, because of the things we go through, we allow that fear to paralyze us. Let's look at James 1. In James 1, verses 2 through 4, this is what it says. James 1, 2 through 4, it says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, knowing, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Those trials, those, those scary things, those things that are coming that can keep us from moving forward in faith are things that we have to guard against. We have to be aware of them. We have to know that they're there so that we can continue to grow. So that we can continue to allow these things to take place in our lives so that we can get to the place where we're mature and complete lacking in nothing but if we freeze if we keep our feet from moving forward we're going to miss those things we're going to miss in your notes i kind of put a little easy um, equation that you need to remember when you're going through hard things when you're going through hard things you need to remember this equation persecution equals purification Persecution equals purification. A lot of times when you're going through those things, what God is wanting to do is to purify you and to make you more holy and more like him. More like him. Number three. Church number three. The church in Paramum. Sorry guys, sometimes these are hard to pronounce. And This is what it says. Counsel your compromise by disciplining your ears. Cancel your compromise by disciplining your ears. Let's look at Revelation 2, 13 through 16. It says this, I know that you live in a city where Satan has his throne, yet you have remained loyal to me. You refuse to deny me even when was my faithful witness, was martyred among there in Satan's city. Let's continue. But I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam, who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. In a similar way, you have some, I, I, not nickelodeus I have no idea that one. I was going to say Nickelodeon, but I know that's not it. Among you who follow the same teaching. Repent of your sin, or I will come to you suddenly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. It's interesting here where we begin to see this this compromise by what they're being taught what they're seeing what is being communicated to them and jesus here is saying hey listen listen you're following things that are not of me you're you're following teaching that is not of me you're beginning to do things where does all this come from it comes from what you're hearing it comes from what you're ingesting into your body as far as spiritually food what are you listening to what are you putting your 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 your, your focus on is it god's word or is it something different because listen there's a lot of individuals out there today who are spewing a lot of different things and some of them are great and some of them quite honestly are horrible stuff they are stuff that is going to cause issues and it's interesting here that jesus finishes this little statement here in in Revelation uh, 2.16 by saying this, Repent of your sin, or I will come to you suddenly and fight against them with the sword out of my mouth. What is the sword that's coming out of Jesus' mouth? It's the word of God. It's the word of God. Anything that you're hearing, whether it's from me or anybody else, you need to compare. You need to look at and say, is this what God's word says? Because you need to understand something. Either we line up with the word of God or the word of God comes against us. Either we line up with the word of God or the word of God will come against us. So we need to be careful what we're hearing we need to check what we're hearing we need to make sure that we're not just individuals who anything that's put in front of us we digest we need to compare it and allow it to be something that we compare to the word of god and not allow that to bring compromise into our lives next the church in thyatra develop your morals by disciplining your mind discipline your mind. Look at Revelation 2, 19 through 22. It says this, I know all the things you do. I've seen your love, your faith, your service, and your patient endurance, and I can see your constant improvement in all of these things. Hey man, that sounds out, we're doing pretty good, but I have this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn away from her immoral, immorality. Therefore, I will throw her on a bed of suffering, and those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from their evil deeds. The individual of Jezebel, the Bible says, was... was was the most evil woman who's ever lived. And and here's what's interesting. The the lady of Jezebel, that individual is long gone. But the spirit of Jezebel still lives on. And we have to understand that. We have to know that these things, these moral decisions, these decisions to, to shun and stay away from these things that are evil and destructive, they start in our minds they start there and we want to make sure that we stay the course we want to make sure that we don't allow ourselves to lay down in a bed with her and to be able to be basically inwardly and outwardly destroyed so Isaiah said hey listen develop your morals by disciplining your mind next the church in sardis stop your slumber by disciplining your eyes stop your slumber by disciplining your eyes revelation 3 1b through 3 it says this i know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive but you are dead wake up strengthen what little remains for even what is left is almost dead i find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my god Go back to what you heard and believed it first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. Time to wake up. Time to wake up. You know what's interesting? We, we think we can fool a lot of people, don't we? It's interesting here that that, that Jesus says, you know, you have a reputation for being awake, but you're not. You know what I've learned? And this isn't real deep. You're not going to fool God. You may fool me. You may fool other people. But you know what? Jesus knows. And I don't say that to scare you or, ooh, he's going to get you. No, I say that because he knows what's going on in your heart. He knows that he, and here's the thing. He wants us to wake up. he wants us to open our eyes and here's the other thing that we need to understand okay most of us hopefully hopefully last night we all at some point in time we all got into bed or wherever we closed our eyes and tried to go to sleep right that's a good thing we all need our rest it's important but here's the thing that I've found at least for me when I go to sleep I don't know I'm actually asleep I don't know that I have been asleep until I wake up Spiritually speaking, unfortunately, sometimes that's our situation. We don't even know we're asleep. We're not even aware. Jesus, in this letter to them, says, listen, you need to wake up. Why does he say to wake up? Because they probably don't even know they're slumbering. They need to open their eyes to see that sometimes we have to be willing to maybe look at our own life and our own spirit and realize that maybe we're not as awake as we thought we were and it's time to wake up we need to discipline our eyes look at hebrews 12 1b through 2a it says this so what do we do with our eyes and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on jesus the pioneer and perfecter Of our faith you say Aaron I'm not sure am I awake am I not question where are your eyes focused who are you looking to because let's be honest there's lots of things in this world that you can focus on there's lots of things that you can be looking at and Jesus is saying you need to look to me next the church in Philadelphia serve God in obedience by disciplining your hands disciplining your hands revelation 3 7 through 8 it says this write the letter to the angel of the church in philadelphia this message from the one who is holy and true the one who has the key of david What he opens no one can close and what he closes no one can open i know all the things you do and i have opened a door for you that no one can close you have little strength yet you obey my word and you did not deny me. One of the things I love that God does, and one of the things that you need to be praying along with me, is that God will open doors for you that only He can open. Okay? A lot of times when we talk about open doors, a lot of times what we need to look at is this idea of decisions and choices that we're making. A lot of times, if people come to me and they say, I'm praying about this, I'm not sure what I want to do, I'll pray. God, if this is your will, if this is what you want, open the door. Or if it's not, close that door. What, is, what am I saying? What am I praying? I'm praying that God will make a way where there seems to be no way. What we have to do is in that we need to be obedient and walk through the doors that God has opened and walk away from the doors that God has closed. There's a lot of times where God will say, hey, listen, I need you to do this. Hey, I want you to do this. I need you to do this situation. And we'll say no to God, even though he's clearly opened a door. But because we don't want to walk through it, we're not willing to do it. And we make excuses, and we say, oh, this is why I can't, or this is why I shouldn't, or all these things. Listen, when God opens a door, it's our job to go through it. We spend a lot of time, unfortunately, in our lives trying to force open doors that God wants closed. And unfortunately, the other side of that coin is we tend to make a lot of excuses about why we can't go through the doors that God has clearly opened. We say, but Aaron, I can't do that. I'm not this. I'm not that. Listen, if God opened the door, he'll equip you to do whatever you need to do to go through it and to succeed for him and his glory when you do so. We need to know that we need to understand that and the final church the church in laodicea turn up your passion by disciplining your mouth let's look at revelations 3 15 through 16 it says this i know all the things you do that you are neither hot nor cold i wish that you were one or the other but since you are lukewarm water or like lukewarm water neither hot nor cold I will spit you out of my mouth. You know, this is one of those that we hear a lot about. This is more of a, one of the ones that, uh, along with returning to our first love, that maybe you've heard a lot more. But it, it's something important that we need to understand. And you know what? I, I don't know if you're, you're like me. If the worship team wants to come back up, we're going to close. I don't know if you're like me, but, but I like myself coffee. Coffee is some good stuff. And you know what's great about coffee? Is when it's cold out, you can get you a hot cup of coffee. And when it's hot out, you can go get yourself a cold cup of coffee. Iced coffee. Isn't that wonderful? It's hot or it's cold. But you know what is horrible? You know what's not good? Lukewarm coffee. It's not either hot nor cold. And I remember when I, when I was taught this as a kid, it was, it was always kind of this idea of, oh, we got to be, be hot for Jesus and hot for Jesus and hot for, and you know, that's not what this is saying here. Jesus is saying, I would rather you be hot or cold. This isn't about an understanding of one being hot is good, cold being bad. It's an understanding that he wants a group of people. If you're going to be hot for him, be hot for Jesus. If you're going to be cold for Jesus, be cold for Jesus. What he doesn't want is this lukewarm, medium uh, kind of situation that unfortunately a lot of us find ourselves in. He wants our passion to be a part of that. Now listen, if you talk to me and you said, okay, let's, let's look at this and... Let's see, you know, and, and you look at who, how I was and how I responded to things. More than likely, you would say, if, if Aaron's passion was hot or cold, you'd probably say, Aaron has hot passion. I'm excitable, and I move around a lot, and, and sweat, and all that sort of stuff. But you know what's interesting? I have met people who their passion, and follow me here, okay? Because I think we have to understand the scripture a little bit better. Who, who are not necessarily as outwardly passionate as I am, but they are, they are, they are passionately, cold passionate, you know what I mean? They are, they, their passion for God is, is not necessarily real boisterous and not real loud, but you know what, they are solid. You know, they're like, they're like, hear me here, they're like an iceberg. They are just solidly passionate about God. They're not loud, they're quiet, but they're passionate. And listen, what we're seeing here is God's not saying, hey, listen, I want you to be hot passionate. Now, if that's who you are and that's who God created you to be, then you'd be a hot passionate, okay? But he's also saying, hey, if I made you to be cold passionate, you'd be cold passionate. What he doesn't want is that lukewarmness. He wants us to be something got to understand that. So it's not about how you express your passion. Okay? What it's about is understanding that no matter how God has asked you to do that, that you are after Him. That's what God wants. And even in this, we say, hey, I, I see the things you do, but, but you know what? I'd rather you be hot. I'd rather you be cold. Now listen. We talked about a lot of stuff here this morning. We talked a lot about, we talked about seven churches and, and some of the issues that they were going through. You know what's great is, is no matter what these churches were going through, you see in a lot of these, the idea of repentance and, and, and coming back and, and Jesus going, hey, listen, you can, you, I, we can fix this and we can work through this. And this is, a, we can take care of these issues. You know one of the lies of the enemy when it comes to discipline is this idea that God hates you and that God is punishing you and that God is just doing it because he's God and you're not discipline is brought by god not just because he loves us even though that's a huge part of it but because he wants us to have the opportunity to repent and get things better and get things fixed the thing that happens unfortunately is we listen to the lie of the enemy and so because of that we try to say that's not me or i I, I don't deal with that or or i'm okay here and we let that pride and we let that 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 barrier kind of go up and we we refuse god's discipline We should remember that is a gift of love to us. When we understand who our Father is and that it shows that we're His, we can hopefully accept that more. So let's do me, do me a favor, let's close our eyes and let's talk. And, and let's remember, let's go back at the end of each of these little messages to these churches. We see basically the same concept being explained which was if you have ears you need to hear this you need to understand this you need to allow me the right to discipline you because you're my child because i love you because i have great things in store for you and i want to do great things now don't know how the individuals in these churches responded to these things we don't know if it was like most churches to be honest with you there were probably some that accepted them changed their behavior and their life and continued to be fruitful and do amazing things for God. And there were probably some who did not allow this discipline to come and correct. You know, I've played sports my whole life and I've had lots of different coaches. The best coaches I've ever had were not the coaches who just simply said the things I did well. the best coaches i had would yeah they would they would tell me the things i did well but they would also tell me the things i needed to work on to become a better baseball player to become a better athlete we need to allow jesus that same opportunity and i know there are things in your life that are great things that you're doing awesome where if Jesus would show up right now and have a conversation with you he would say man listen I'm so pr- you're doing a great job here man this is good and this is good but you know what I guarantee you because he loves you so much he'd also look at you and say you know what though Aaron this is an area you need to work on you you, you need to stop allowing your fear to keep you from moving in faith whatever it is god wants to illuminate that not to embarrass you not to act like you're a horrible person he wants to illuminate that so that it, it be an area that we can all that you can work on and that you can allow it to be something that you change in your life to make you more like him more holy and more like his son that's our goal we talk a lot about growth here and a major part of growing is accepting God's discipline and letting it be a catalyst that changes our heart and our lives. So we talked about a lot of stuff. And my prayer, even before we walked in here, even this week as I was putting all this together, was that ad, because I knew it was a lot of information, that as I was preparing, or as I was sharing these things, that I was praying that the Holy Spirit would just begin to to show us or show you areas in our lives that we need a little discipline in. And there are so many things that we could talk about. And I'm not going to waste the time on that. I'm just going to trust that God is has spoken to you. And that you have spiritual ears to hear it. So whatever it is, maybe it's not even something that we talked about. But God, in using this opportunity to bring some discipline in your life, I'm going to pray with you and for you that you'll accept that. And not only accept it, but you will allow God's spirit and God's strength and God's goodness to begin a process of change in you. A process of even more maturity in your heart and in your life. So as I pray with you and for you, I want you to also be praying because you know that area. You know that thing where you're like, you know, boy, yeah, I need to work here. I need to do better here knowing that God wants to help you and change your life. So, Father, we come to you right now. And Jesus, right now, I thank you for the gift of discipline. I thank you that you love us so much that you discipline us. I love the fact that it proves that we're yours when you discipline us. And so, Jesus, whatever this area is, whatever message you have for each of us, today, that we will accept that, we'll we'll acknowledge that, and not just acknowledge, not just say, hey, I have an issue here, I don't do this really well, but we'll also go to you and allow you to help us to bring forth meaningful change in our hearts and in our lives. Whatever it is, whatever we're struggling with, whatever we're dealing with, and here's the bottom line, none of us are perfect. We all have issues, we all have areas in our life that we can grow and become more like you in. But God, we have to come to you, acknowledge our need, and allow you to do that in us and partner with us to accomplish that goal. So Father, we don't just this morning acknowledge our weakness. We run to you for help. We look to you for help. We repent of our sin. We repent of those things that we're not doing. And not just do we repent, because because repenting is not just saying we're sorry, but we now turn and go towards you we repent of those things and we change our perspective we change how we're moving and we go to you knowing that you are the author and the finisher of our faith and that you will bring forth amazing things in our heart and our lives we love you so much we thank you let's all stand john and the worship team gonna come and, and close us out with a chorus Cast their crowns, the angels say. Thank you, Father. And Father, as we we close out this service, Father, one thing I I remember about my childhood was when my father disciplined me. At the end, he he would wrap me up in his arms and he'd say, basically he'd say, my son, I love you. I love you. And so Jesus, what I would ask right now is, as you have kind of begun in our hearts again, that that discipline process right now, I pray for each individual, whether they're at home watching online or, or here with us. Father, I pray right now that you would just envelop them in your arms. You would wrap your arms around them and you would just love on them for a bit. Just right now. You would remind them how much you love them. You would remind them that they are your son or they are your daughter and that you have great, great plans for them. You are for them, God. You are not against them. And you love them so much. So wrap us up, God. Wrap us up. We love you. We thank you. You're so good. We love you so much. Thank you, Jesus, for this time and this morning. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, listen, I hope you have a wonderful week. I love y'all so much. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. For those that are watching online, we love you. Hope to see you soon when you're ready, but uh, we're excited for all that God has for us and all that God's doing. So have a great week. Thank you.